Hey, this is Bruce. I'm the pastor of the Word Church, Kimberley. I'm so glad that you're joining us on our podcast today. I trust that Jesus will speak to your heart, that you'll be strengthened with faith, and that you'll experience the breakthrough that you're looking for. Enjoy the message. Let's go to Acts. Acts chapter... Acts chapter 1. I felt the last while a bit challenged to preach something that, that almost, I wouldn't say that goes against what I stand for, but it's like, it's what I stand for, but it's a little bit different to what I'm used to preaching. But today, so I thought, hey, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. So Acts, what did I say? One or, t- or two? Okay. Okay, but I meant two. Acts 2, verse 17. And I'm reading in the New Amplified, so if you're using the classic edition, you can quickly change it to the other one. Amplified translation, 2, verse 17. And it shall be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all mankind. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I just thought, let's just speak about that. So to all the religious guys that says that women can't preach, that women can't have anything to say, in the, the promise is, in the last days, he's not just going to pour his spirit out on the sons, he's going to pour it out on the daughters too. Come on. And so daughters will have a a voice, and they will prophesy, and they will tell, telling forth the divine counsels, and young men shall see visions, and old men shall dream dreams. Hallelujah. Amen. So, let's just, let's just think about that for a while. You're going to dream dreams. How many of you guys have dreams? I always think about how the world programs us. You put on some YouTube motivation for to go gym they'll tell you stuff like uh if you're mindful of the obligation you'll get nowhere you gotta go be mindful of the opportunity you need to make your dreams come true you can't sleep so much while you're sleeping somebody else is working making their dreams come true and so the world tells us what dreams are but the Bible says that God's going to make you dream dreams, see visions. And so I think we, should, we have to stop letting the world, I don't know, define the way we need to live our lives. The world is, and that's why Romans 12 verse 2 says, you must come out of being conformed by the patterns of this world. You need to look like, you've got to have this, you've got to have a five-year plan, 10-year this, 50-year retirement, or whatever it is. And, and God maybe comes today, and like I opened up, I said, maybe the Lord will say, well, that's adorable. That's cute. Your plan is really cute. And, and I, will, I will pray for, I'm not trying to discredit dreams, and plans, and ambitions. But I, I, don't, I don't see a large part of the church running with God's dream. I don't see a large part of, of the church really laying hold of what God has in his heart for, for you and for creation. 
that it's more than your, your 50 years. And, and just think about this. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever should be, will believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My goodness, if you want to think about what everlasting life is, I don't, my mind can't fathom that. You know, that it goes on and on and on and on. I think it goes beyond time as we understand it. I believe time will be completely different. But eternity, I think we can all agree, is a very long time. It's longer than our 50 years career, if we make it that long. So this is a little bit different to what I'm used to preaching, because I believe that Jesus said he's come to give us life, and life in abundance. And for many years, a lot of people were preaching, hey, if you are to die today, and this would be our altar calls, if you die today, if you leave church and there's some accident, where will you end up? I, I heard that altar call many times in my life. Maybe you did. Gave my life to Jesus on most of them. Just to make sure that the last time that I gave my life, that it was enough. So let me just make sure I go again. And, uh, and so the church preached this, this message that's like, your life on earth is so irrelevant that it, it's just about where you're going after you die. Now, often, often um, the Bible speaks in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, so that we won't be children tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of, of doctrine. So that means this is what happens. We, we preach one thing and we place such a large emphasis on the one thing that eventually what happens is you have the reaction to it. So we start preaching at this side. And we lay such a large emphasis on that that we again forget about that side. And so we keep going back and forth, back and forth. And I always think like a pendulum that, that swings. And, uh, but we're not supposed to be swinging. A swinging pendulum. We're supposed to be anchored in Jesus and in the truth. So today... Um, I'm, I might, I just want to, I want to preach, not the whole thing, just want to touch on something that we as a church may be missing, and um, I believe in life. If you, if you have a look through your, through your Bible, you read your Bible, um, you'll be surprised at, at how God intended and how long God intended man to live. And, and that God's, God's whole plan for, for mankind was for them to live forever. And we, we know from that example in the garden, uh, Adam and Eve sinned and plummeted all of creation into, into bondage, into death. But until then, there was no death in the equation. God had life in mind. God had eternity in mind. And even in the Old Testament, you had guys living up until 900 years. 900 plus, yes. Imagine living that long. 
we can't, but I mean, if you, and if you get into the medieval ages, like the average lifespan of, of people were like 40, 40 years. Then if you lived to 40, it was like old. If you read Isaiah, Isaiah promises the last, I think the last chapter of Isaiah says, if a guy dies at 100 or something like that, he says he'll be considered very young. So God's idea is actually to bring people into life. And so at a time we were just preaching, hey, you need to go to heaven. You know, there's something, there's something great there. Uh, there was a response from the, from the church saying, no, no, wait, 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 wait. He said, as it, in heaven, we must pray it's got to be on earth. It's got to be on earth. But sometimes now we're, we're laying a big emphasis on earth that we sometimes forget about the reality of heaven. We forget about the reality and how amazing it is. Like Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. You know, that, that there are people that have gone before us and that have ran their race. And the Bible says that they are cheering us on from, from the cloud. And to know, and I was thinking about my grandpa. I love my grandpa so much. But my grandpa's in the, in the cloud, in, the, in heaven, cheering me on. Hey, man, go Brucey, you know, run your race. You can do it. And there is that reality. And maybe the Lord is, is telling us today, hey, man, don't be so conditioned in just this life. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The message might flow a bit slower because of the new Bible, but, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to go. It's going to be awesome. Verse 19, if we who are abiding in Christ have hope only in this life, and that is all, then we are of all people most miserable and to be pitied. <laughs> Read that. If we are in Christ, if we only have hope, if we have hope only in this life, and that is all, then we are of all people most miserable and to be pitied. And so what Paul is writing there, he's trying to awaken us to, hey, uh, to, to what it means, to what eternal life is. He's not saying hope, that there is no hope in this life. He's saying that there is an element to which a lot of believers can be um, ignorant of. And, and, and he's saying, hey, if you only think about this life, if you only plan around this life, you're, you're to be pitied. You know, if you run your race in such a way with the understanding that it's just this life, okay? So everyone who knows me, this is very unfamiliar for me too, because I'm, I'm pursuing a life, man. Okay, you're to be most pitied. All right, let's, let's, let's quickly go to Psalm chapter 49. Maybe on your way to Psalm 49, go to Matthew chapter 6. On your way, you can take a pit stop in Matthew 6 and do a bit of uh, what, we, what we've been preaching the last while. And let's, let's read verse 19. Do not gather, all right, 
uh, verse 19, do not store up for yourselves material treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart, <laughs> your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will also be. That translation puts it nice, very good. Okay, so don't, we had a good teaching on that a couple of weeks ago, but like how do I store up treasures in heaven, you know? So um, what we need, wow, Lord, help me with this one. So I remember, uh, obviously my dad and my mom, they also had a rich history in, in the Lord. And um, as a result, we, we were introduced to a lot of different churches at a specific time in my, in my life. Different churches that spoke of, uh, had almost like different doctrines. And there was, there was one, like, I don't know how many guys remember, we don't hear it taught so much today, but John 14, he says, in my father's house, there are many mansions, okay? And so, uh, a lot of people brought the gospel in such a way, they said, hey, if you give your life to Jesus, he's building you a mansion with all your favorite things in that mansion. Who's heard that thing? Has anyone heard that? Okay. So they, so they, so with all your favorite things, so if you die and go to heaven, you'll have a mansion. Maybe in this life, you may never have a mansion, but in heaven, you'll have a mansion <laughs> with all your favorite things in. So one of my friends says, but I'm like, I like, I like cars and scrap cars and is, is my house going to be a scrap yard full of, and, and sometimes if you approach, approach doctrine with some logical questions, it can help you also. Um, imagine Ronald Bonke at the time, and he get, gets to Nigeria, and he has a million altar calls, like a, a million response to his altar call that gives a yes. Imagine the chaos in heaven at the Mount of Mansions that have to be built. But then if you go and you look into that word, you'll actually see that the word mansion means a dwelling place. It doesn't mean a physical house like we like to imagine. It means a dwelling place. And he goes on to say, and this is the dwelling place. You will be in my father or you will be in me and I will be in you. Okay, you will be in Jesus and in the father. And he explains, he said, I'm going to take you to where I am. And he says, well, where's, where is that? I said, I'm in the Father. I'm going to give you a dwelling place to dwell in. And you will be in Him. And to me, that's so much better than real estate in heaven. And so Jesus, God, was not looking for, you know, to, to, for tenants in heaven to fill up unoccupied houses. He wanted children. So come to the Father. That's the invitation. So, so I'm, what I'm trying to do is, is to really preach this message in a way that you hear what I am saying and, not, and that you don't hear that I'm just speaking about heaven. But let's go to Psalm 49. Is this okay? It's a bit different? 
I said the last while we would also touch on um, on finances a lot. So every sermon you'll probably hear me mention some of some of the key verses there. All right, so this time we're going to read the whole psalm together. Psalm 1, hear this, all people, listen carefully, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, both rich and poor together. My mouth will speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart will be understanding. I will incline my ear and consent to a proverb. On the guitar, I will unfold my riddle. Why should I fear in the days of evil when the wickedness of those who would betray me surrounds me on every side? Even those who trust in and rely on their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem himself or his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. For the ransom of his soul or the ransom of a life is too costly that he should cease, uh, excuse me, that he should cease trying. This Bible doesn't say it. And the price one can pay, that's better, can never suffice so that he should live on forever and never see the pit and the grave and corruption. Wow, I want, to, I want to preach on that. I want to preach on that. I'm going to say it. He says, there are people that boast in the abundance of their wealth, in their possessions, in their riches. But he says, listen here, I want you to hear wisdom. None of you guys, <laughs> none of them can by any means redeem their, their brother or himself from the grave. None of them can pay a price that will let them live beyond the grave and never see corruption. Okay, what does that, that, uh, that verse say? Um, verse 7, quickly. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. So Jesus comes in the book of Matthew. He says, I've come to give my life as a ransom. Come on, I've come to give my life as a ransom. And one, well, we might read it now, but one Peter, uh, he says to this, you have not been bought with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but you have been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. Ooh. It is good. It is good. All right. So let's carry on. Verse 10. For he sees that even wise men die, the fool and the stupid. <laughs> the fool and the stupid alike perish, and they leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses will continue forever, and their dwelling places to all generations. They have named their lands after their own names, ignoring God. But man, with all his self-honor and pomp, will not endure. He is like the beast that perish. This is the fate 
of those who are foolishly confident and of those after them who approve and are influenced by their words. So I want you to see something. Like Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. This, this verse says, this is the fate of those who are foolishly confident and of those after them who approved and are influenced by their words. You know, like, whose counsel do you follow? Who determines success in your life? Where, what is the barometer of success? Because what this scripture says is, well, they're, not, they're just building up wealth for others. <laughs> they're building wealth for others. That's why uh, Jesus, uh, or Paul writes to Timothy, he says, charge them to be rich towards God. He says, I've given you wealth so that you may enjoy it, but be rich towards God. Is this all right? Thank you, Rumbi. Glad you're enjoying it. Like sheep, they're appointed, that's verse 14, like sheep, they're appointed for Sheol. Death will be their shepherd. Who's your shepherd? The Lord is your shepherd. And the upright shall rule over them in the morning. And their form and beauty shall be for Sheol to consume, so that they have no dwelling on earth. But God will redeem my life from the power of Sheol. He will receive me. Don't be afraid when an ungodly man becomes rich, when the wealth and the glory of his house are increased. How many guys have ever felt in a place where you're pursuing uh, success? It's not a bad thing to pursue success. But it's like there's a scripture when Adoniah becomes king. And they, they write, say, why does Adoniah reign? Why do, why do the evil, why do the wicked prevail? You know, it's like you, a lot of people are, are honest in their business and the scaly guy gets the promotion. And God is saying, don't fear when people go through, through corrupt manners to become rich. Uh, Proverbs, Proverbs uh, I think it's, I can't remember where it is. It's in the Bible, but it's in Proverbs. He says, God is against those who do business dishonestly. It says it, you know, anyone who does business dishonestly, God opposes them. And so at the end of the day, we want to be in favor with the Lord. Be not afraid when an ungodly man becomes rich, when the, when the wealth and glory of his house are increased. That's verse 16. Verse 17, for when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not descend after them. Though while he lives, he counts himself happy and prosperous. And though people praise you when you do well for yourself, he shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never again see the light. A man who is held in honor Yet you lack spiritual understanding, and a teachable heart is like the beasts that perish. It's hectic. So in terms of eternity and living long, um, God is just trying to say, hey, don't, don't worry. You know, when, when the world has defined what success looks like, and, and you've pursued the other direction, like, Lord, I'm pursuing you, um, uh, the ungodly uh, are going a different route and it looks like they're prospering. So, look, relax. Hold on. There's, 
you know, they're actually storing up all the wealth for you. <laughs> it's actually what's happening. Is they're storing wealth for you. The Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. And there'll come a time where, where you will enter wealth and you will break through in wealth. But it's just amazing that the only, only comparison that God has with like a like, there's no rival at all. But in the sense people pursue him, he said, you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God. Well, if you don't know what mammon is, it's money, it's cars, it's houses, it's all the, all the things that the, the Gentiles seek and crave after. God wants to give that to you. He wants to give that to you, to enjoy. To enjoy. Amen? All right. Bruce, give me good news. It's coming. Good news is coming. Good news is, is here. All right, so let's, let's go to, uh, to, wow, John chapter, Lord, are we doing this? Yes, John 11. Let's go to John 11. We make the mistake, we make a big mistake if we think that eternal life starts when you die. Okay, I'm going to say that again. We make a big mistake when we think that eternal life starts when you die. Eternal life does not start when you die. Eternal life starts the moment you receive Jesus. The moment you receive Christ, you have eternal life. Unending, deathless, immortal, eternal life. Wow, the Bible says that you've, end, you've left darkness and you walked into light. You are, it's eternal. Amen? So John chapter 11, let's, let's read John 11, and where is that verse? New Bible, verse 25. Oh, okay, we did this the other day. So the story is Lazarus dies, and, uh, and Jesus decides to wait two days because he loves him. <laughs> you know the story. He waits two days longer because Jesus loves Lazarus. <laughs> Lord, please, you can show your love to me in a different way. Like, heal me now. <laughs> Set me free now. But in this, the Bible says he, he purposely did that so that people could see the glory of God. So he comes four days, four days after, after um, Lazarus dies, and Mary, was it Mary or Martha, comes to him and says, my brother stinketh by this time. In other words, they, they believed that uh, after four days, they would corrupt. So you have that amount of time where they don't corrupt, but about four days, they enter corruption, which is why Peter, uh, why Paul refers to David uh, where it says, you will show to me the path of life. That David prophesied about Jesus' resurrection, who was three days. He said, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. So three days, Peter, Jesus was raised from the dead. But on the fourth day, um, Lazarus stinketh. <laughs> yeah, interesting for those who didn't know
Let's, let's pick it up from verse, verse 21. Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to her. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise from the dead. And Martha replied and says, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Okay. So remember, that's not the, the, the answer that Jesus, oh, that Martha wanted. Hey, so a lot of people are hard on Martha because she's the one that's cleaning all the time. Right? While Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. But here we have Martha getting an amazing revelation. And so, to all the Marthas, this, is, this one is also for you. But she is disappointed in Jesus' answer. She doesn't like Jesus' answer. Because she doesn't want Lazarus to rise up on the last day. She wants Lazarus to rise up now. Eternal life is now. Eternal life is now. Okay? So... So Martha is like disappointed. He says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I've, I went to church. I understand this is what happens when we die. And then one day the Lord will bring us all together and we will come back. The next verse, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Whoever believes in me, although he may die, he will live. And that's something that you need to know. If there is death, if there is the occasion that someone should die, he is the resurrection. But he's not just the resurrection. He's the life. Come on. He's not just the resurrection. He is the life. Are, are you living that life? Are you pursuing that life? Or are you just waiting for a resurrection? Come on. I want you to know that life starts now. Eternal life starts now. And I'm going to elaborate a little bit more just to give you an idea of what I'm saying. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Whoever believes in me, although he may die, he will live. We know that very well. And this is the next verse we don't know so well. And whoever continues to live and believe in me shall never die at all. <laughs> yeah. Maybe for a, Maybe for another sermon that we can really look into what that, that verse means and what Jesus suggested. But he's suggesting if someone continues to live and live by that, read your Bible, it says you will experience no death. Do you believe this? No death. If we get truly the revelation of eternal life starts now. And I think, I think a lot of us don't get it because we have the world defining what life looks like. The world defines this is what you must live. This is what you must look like. We have it on all our TV stations trying to conform our children to this rubbish now coming on of all the different, what should we call it, genders, there's only two, but trying to shape us into that. And we oblige to everything. We don't stand up and stand against certain things. I, I get frustrated because we have such a rich inheritance in the Word of God that, that the Muslims have to show us what it looks like to stand up. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not 
trying to say, hey, revolt and, uh, you know, start toy-toying and stuff like that. I'm trying to say, stand up, say no. They, they go and have a World Cup in Qatar, and they ban alcohol. You know what happened? The world obliged. But we, we don't. We allow, we tolerate, because the world uh, is, is getting into our culture. And before you know it, we don't look different, because we just act like the rest of the world. You know, it's, it's hard, but, but why can't Christians just stand up? We all need grace. And there's times where people struggle with things, and I think that's why we, we help people that, that suffer, and we don't judge people that are addicted to things. But we can't tolerate rubbish coming into our lives. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, so thank you to the, to the Muslims there for showing us. And it's, but the church has to stand up. Amen? All right. Eternal life. Uh, whoever believes in me will, will live even if he dies. And everyone who believes will never die. <laughs> That's what my Bible says. So, just trying to take, take me back. So, what does life look like? What does life look like for the believer? What does life look like? What is the life that Jesus has called us to live? What is, what is the life that he said that you can have? What is it? Sister, what's it? Godly life. But it's a powerful life. Wow, it's the above life. Come on, it's more, it's greater, it's, it's higher. You know, a, a couple of years ago, I, I remember I put up a quote that I believe belongs to me. I, I just need to copyright it. I said, the mind of Christ supersedes positive thinking. <laughs> it's greater. Yeah, that's a great quote. I must quickly copyright it. <laughs> I have to. I want credit for that one. <laughs> because it's, it's, it's higher in, in, in dimensions, it's different, it's, it's beyond. What does it look like, church? But it, it looks like Jesus. It looks like Jesus. It looks like what he demonstrated. It, it looks like it. So um, let's go to John chapter 5. I'm just going to go with this. I'm nearly done. Yeah, it is, it is my finishing time, so I'm going to finish up. John chapter 5. You know, when, when, when Peter, uh, when Paul, I think he writes in Hebrews, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. Um, he said, hey, you should have all been teachers by now. You should all be teachers by now. You should all be, be running with it, teaching, and getting up, sharing the gospel, doing, you know, laying down doctrine, foundations, people's lives, you know. And um, yeah, we, had the, we had the Muslims, now we're going to have the Buddhists come in. The Buddhist, <laughs> there's a Buddhist saying that says, when the, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, oh, well done, Kavashli. But there's a truth in that. It's like when the church really is, gets, grows discontent with the, the, the ordinary gets hungry for the life that he, that he prays. It's like, Lord, I want to know more. 
I'm telling you, you'll be surprised at what can come out on a, on a Sunday morning. If the, when the students are ready, there's so much more at the table. Amen? So I said we were going to go to John chapter 5. Now I just have to find it in my Bible. Okay, so John 5 verse, I'll just quote it, but it's, you'll, you can read it up from, from verse 19, you can read it. Jesus starts speaking about greater works, and he says, I'm going to, the Lord is going to bring us into a time where we will see greater works. And he defines it, he says, the hour is coming, and he says, the hour is now here. The hour is coming, and the hour is now here, when, when we will see greater works. And he says, when the dead will hear, will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who live it, who hear it, will live. Makes me think, yes, we know about the resurrection life that, 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 um, that's offered us. And, and I think a lot of us are prepared to live that life. A lot of us are prepared to accept even the life that comes after death and the resurrected life. But there's not a lot of people that are prepared to accept the life that Jesus actually said that we can live. It made me think about that quote where he says, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. Jesus did not come to make you good, have, to give you good morals. If you're a guy that used to sit in the back of the class, you were naughty. He's not trying to make you come sit in the front of the class now. Be a good boy. No, he wants to give you life. Give you life. And it's impossible that after you've seen that, you'd, that you'd want to be anything, anything else. Ah, oh, Lord Jesus. I'm not going to read that one. We are not ready for it yet. I must build first on that one. Come, let's close. Go read it for homework, and we can maybe read it next week. Let's close, and let's go to 2 Corinthians. I'm trying to wrap up everything that I'm saying, but I remember uh, Hebrews 12, I quoted earlier, says, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. That means if you don't realize that you're in a race, that you've got a calling, that you've got something that you've got to lay hold of. Paul wrote about that to Timothy. He says, hey, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Towards the end of Timothy, he says, I fought the good fight. I have run my race. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, I'm not just boxing to beat the air. I'm boxing to smash. Okay? I am running to win. There, there, is, there is purpose in what I'm doing. But it gives you this, this picture that there, is, that there is realms at play at the same time in your life. And if you didn't know that, people, there is uh, the great cloud of witness. Um, he also says, we've come to, to Mount Zion. We've come to the city of God, to the spirits made perfect. We've come to the countless multitude of angels. We've, count, we've come to that. And he gives us a picture that we're running this race. And he says, hey, you've got to run with your eyes on the prize. I have to share the story because it helps 
give perspective that this is real and not just a not just the Bible story. But I remember when when my my grandpa passed away. Um, he, he, in the in a dream in the in the night, I'm dreaming and Grandpa is there in my dream. He says, "Bruce, I have to sh- tell you something. I want to show you something." I met Watchman Nee. Like, and if you know my grandpa, he loved Watchman Nee. I don't know how many of you guys know Watchman Nee, his books and stuff. He wrote this, The Spiritual Man and lots of books. Experienced so much persecution. And he says, I met, I met Watchman Nee, man, and it's, it's awesome. He described how he looked. And, uh, and, uh, and then he prayed for me. The next day, I was, I was in my opa's house. And I don't know if it was Ghana, my grandma, or my mom. She said, hey, I don't know if Opa wanted it or if they decided, here's Opa's Watchman Nee books, the whole collection. We think you should have it. Like, it's just too coincidental that something like that can happen. And uh, I've got the whole stack in, in, my, in my office, and I managed to read some. But there is a reality of a race that we have to run. Are your eyes on the same prize as the world? Are you, uh, you know, my brother, if he's here, oh, watching, that'd be great, Stu, if you're watching, you'll watch. He once wrote a, a poem. He said, the system is my shepherd. Said my my medical aid causes me to lie down in green pastures. My policies or something like that. He said on all the things that we trust in that the world says you must have, you must have, you must have. If you have that, as opposed to where the church they can truthfully say, truthfully say, the Lord is my shepherd. Come on. Well, I think that's a good word. Wow. Verse 18, verse 17 of chapter 4. What did I say? Did I say something? Verse 16. Yeah. Everybody laughs at me when I do that, but the, the word is so good, you can't. It needs context. Therefore, we don't become discouraged. Though our outer self is progressively wasting away, our inner self, well, well, this is going to be a good landing. Our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day. Do you understand what that means? I'm just going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Let's keep going. Our momentary light distress, which feels so long at times, this passing trouble is producing for us an eternal weight of glory 
Apparently, Anya said, if it's not beautiful, it's not the end. A fullness beyond all measure, surpassing all comparisons, a transcendent splendor, and an endless blessedness. Puts it beautifully. We look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. For the things which are visible are temporal, but the things which are invisible are everlasting. They are deathless, I think the, yeah, that translation says. They are deathless and they are everlasting. They're forever. They're eternal. They're eternal. Woo! And we know that if our, verse, chapter 5, verse 1, we know that if our earthly tent, our physical body, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our immortal celestial dwelling, so that by putting it on, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, often weighed down, oppressed, not that we want to be unclothed, but to be further clothed, so that, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Wow. It's too much. It's too much. But I'm going to close this year with some of these thoughts. He, how many of you guys like camping? Who likes camping? I love camping. How many of you guys like hotels, five-star hotels? Five-star or camp? What do you... But he, he compares this body to a tent. He says, in this tent, we, like, we groan. He says, but I want you to know that God has a five-star hotel. Now, that's not, that's not the mansion. That's a body. That's a body. A, a body that you can live in. And he says, hey, not that we want to put off the body, but rather that we would be further clothed. That's what he prays. He's saying, hey, Christian, don't pray so that you can die and go get it there. Pray to be further clothed. Put on the life. Put on the inheritance. Wow, can you handle that? Yes, that is extra controversial to this world. They'll, they'll stone you for it. But it's in the Bible. That he says, hey, put on the life. Get further clothed with that heavenly dwelling. He says, so that what is mortal? We just read all the stuff that is visible, that is fading and dying. You look at it in yourself in the mirror and you think, oh, my goodness, all the wrinkles... Everything. He's saying, hey, you're going to get an upgrade. <laughs> so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, the bracket says after the resurrection, but that is, that is, that is Mary's after the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And that is, brackets are, are just put there just to try and give a perspective. Next verse, let's finish. Now, he who has fashioned us for this very thing is God. Now, let's close here. He designed you for, for clothing. Every time you wake up in the morning and you put on clothes, you're prophesying over yourself. 
you're prophesying over yourself, saying, God has fashioned me for clothing, and this is the clothing, is that, is that new inheritance. So what does it look like to live, to live, um, live with eternity in mind? Is to put on that life, to live with a mindset that's like, hey man, it goes beyond the grave. It goes beyond decay. There's so much more that we have to, that we have to mention. True life, real life from the Spirit of God. Amen? Um, Daniel said something great when he was here. He said a couple of things. He said, it's interesting that under the law, God said, you can have a life of 120 years. Before, we had Adam that had like, how, how long? Long time. Our minds can't fathom it. But what about, what about under grace? What about Jesus coming to redeem that which was lost, to actually give us life? And, and he, says, he says it like this. It's like whether I live or whether I die. It's no different. But it's, it's awesome. So now if you hear this message as in it's about just living, you missed it. And if you hear that this is just it's about where you go after you die, you missed it. <laughs> it's about life. Are you pursuing? Are you pursuing the life that Jesus said that you could have? But on a serious note, get a Bible. You'll be surprised what's written in here, what, what your inheritance is. If you really live, if you really read this, and you don't just read our doctrines, but you read the Word. If you read the book of Ephesians, if you read the book of Galatians, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, if you read what the book says about what your inheritance is, it will blow your mind. Your mind, the natural, can't handle it. And we need supernatural. The world needs supernatural. The world needs people that are heavenly minded. I need it. I need it. I need it. But um, it's time. Guys, we're going to go deeper in, into, into the word. I really feel we're, we're not going to apologize for truth and for what the Bible says. If the Bible speaks something that offends you, uh, I'm sorry. But I'm not sorry. Because <laughs> you need the truth. You know, Curry Blake said the truth will set you free, but sometimes it'll make you mad first. First it'll offend you. It's like, oh goodness, can it be? Oh. Can you imagine Jesus spitting in people's eyes? Can you imagine like he just comes and sometimes he just offends and he reveals the heart. All right. So we'll go. There's more, much more to say about this, but let's... let's uh, Let's close. You can go read John 5 for homework. Go read John 11, 1 Corinthians 3 and 4. And if you want to have some fun, read Job chapter 33. Then you'll really have some fun. Let's pray. Let's pray. So, Father, I'd... we want to see your, we want to dream your dream, Lord. We, we don't want to just be so focused on the world and what the world has to offer. We don't want to just live in that realm. 
chasing the next fix, chasing being so discontent with the things we have now that we thought would bring us happiness. We realize that the only thing that can fulfill is your presence. Lord, you said that it is the invisible things that we should be running after and pursuing. Lord, I pray for, for all of us that we'll have eyes to see what's invisible, that we'll, that we'll see the treasures in the, the, in the invisible. I want to speak to, to, to everybody's belief system. And, and Jesus, Paul prayed, he said, that, that your eyes of your understanding will be flooded with light so that you can know, so that you can understand. And that, that this time that we're in now, where I believe the Spirit of God wants to do something incredible in the church, that when you open your Bible, when you open, that all of a sudden you'll see the inheritance. You will see that God is calling you beyond, uh, towards a higher life. Wow. And it is wild and it is great. And it is awesome. Yeah, and it's time for the miracles. It's time for wonders. It's time to see the hand of God in your life. It's time to testify. Come on, I'm speaking to people. It's time, where, like we sing that song, to, to be the church. It's time. It's time. The cycles of, of that depression that visits you, it's time to finish that and put the end to that. It's time. In Jesus' name, it's time. Yeah, so we thank you, Father, for eternal life, that it starts now, that we'll live like you, you said we could live, peculiar people, holy priesthood, holy nation, called to reveal the splendor of your light. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I trust that message blessed you. Please feel free to contact us for any prayer requests or feedback. We would love to connect with you. You can follow the Word Church Kimberly on any social media platform and become a part of our online community. Be blessed.